The Money Show is brought to you by APSA CIB, the leading Pan-African bank that ensures your business's ability to adapt to disruption in the ever-changing business environment. Welcome to The Money Show this evening. We're going to talk advertising heroes and zeros with Tonya Kuri in a moment. Uh, Africa Business Focus, Dr. Rutendo Huindingui, um, the founder director at Tribe Africa Advisory. There's a McKinsey report talking about reimagining Economic growth in Africa. I think it's very valuable. We'll look at that in some detail tonight. Petri Redlinger said up for seven, looking at your money and your investments and this idea of how you manage risk and how you understand risk and what is risk precisely with Petri coming up. He's also, by the way, got a giveaway. You've got a youngster in your life who is ambitious and wants to join the world of finance. Stay tuned for that because Petri wants to help you help them help themselves. They can pay rent then, can't they? The Money Show. Ad Feature. Get to Ad Feature in just a moment. Not cl- I'm not communicating very clearly with George on that particular point, but I'm interested to see that the island state of Singapore is stopping horse racing so that the country's only race course, the 180-year-old Singapore Turf Club, will be closed and the land used for public and private housing. Uh, There's been horse racing on Singapore for 180 years. It's a small island. Every inch of space is valuable. And the government there has taken a decision to convert a a sport, a, a delightful pastime with people like Queen Elizabeth II, an avid race-goer, of course, a horse race breeder of great repute, um, who has been to Singapore twice, I think, 1972, 2006. Uh, I wondered whether or not, had she still been alive, they would have postponed that decision. But yeah, Singapore is going to be shutting down its only race course, turning the space into horse, uh, into accommodation, space for accommodation for public and private housing. Here's in zeros this evening, Tonya Kuri, director at Acumen Media Management, with us tonight. And somebody sent me a picture today, and it is an image of Andre de Reiter's Truth to Power book. Um, and this book, in a particular store in the northern suburbs of Joburg, and I'm going to get the exact location for you right now, Tonya, because. Somebody came up with a really innovative uh, and wonderful sort of add-on to the book. And it's one of those clip-on lights. A clip-on light. And it's one of those beautiful things ever. A clip-on light to one of these northern suburbs um, um, uh, bookstores as an addition to Andre Director's book about why we've got a mess at, at ESCOM. It's the most glorious ancillary product to add in there. It's really smart marketing, isn't it? It is superb marketing. And I tell you what, I'd buy the book just for that light because I really <laughs> need one. <laughs> uh, and I also see the, Yeah. I also see the book sold fifty thousand copies. Not bad for a book that doesn't tell you anything specific, but um it, it's playing to our fears. <laughs> Sorry. It, it doesn't that's exactly how I felt. Yes, that's exactly how I felt. About a little bit duped, I'm not gonna lie. But the book light is a good idea. So so let's get one of them, shall we? Absolutely. The book, well done to the store manager at the store. I've lost the name of which which store it is. Um, But certainly well done to the manager of the store who added the book light onto 
um, this particular book, which has sold 50,000 copies. Andre Dorator's Truth to Power comes with its own power source so that even in load shedding, you can read why you are being load shed. Let's go through heroes and zeros this evening. Um, your zero is one that is contentious, and I don't think that you're cross with it for being contentious. I just don't think it's particularly well executed. Woolies sticking to its guns on its Woolworths Pride campaign. It's had enormous backlash from a whole bunch of people saying, how dare you? Um, what is your how dare you when it comes to the Woolies Pride campaign? Which sounds, before we talk about it, Tonya, like this. What do you love about the LGBTQIA plus community? Community, it's in the it's in the question. What I love mostly about us, we accept each other, we love each other. I love that it's so gay. <laughs> it's like the sense of home away from home. There's always a musician around, yeah, an artist, an activist, an academic. What comes to mind when you hear the word pride? For me, it means love, inclusion, self-acceptance, and just joy. To me, it also means being true to yourself. Party. But I think of the event because that was the first like queer event I've ever been to in my life. A lot of people sometimes forget You've got a sense of it. You've got a sense of it. What is it about this campaign that uh, strikes you as being worthy of a zero from a marketing and advertising perspective? Well, Pride in itself is a is a relished and cherished event, and I think that um, the LBGTI community have such a they they own that event in such a manner that you're almost tokenizing it to capitalize on it you know like you put up a couple of rainbows and you said that you're going to be an ally and then spoke about how your new clothing range is so good you know um for me it's a it's you're taking a, a very strong event that internationally has come with a lot of cost to other people. It's it's almost like uh, making something, uh, y- you know, p- patronizing. It's almost a patronizing commentary to, to gay people. You know, people capitalize on Nelson Mandela Day, for example. They capitalize on all sorts of events. So we're not being overly delicate when it comes to pride. I don't know. I don't have a view on it, but I just wonder whether or not um, the commercial opportunity exists to say, we're here for you. We're open. Our doors are open to you. Don't, you know, ever feel like we will we'll shun you for anything. Well, I think, I mean, there is that element, but I also think, you know, it's it hits at the wrong time. Uh, what was this campaign comes at a time where internationally there is almost an outlash against um, clothing and the LBGTQI community. That particular that particular narrative is really testy at the moment. And a lot of what we saw on social media today, and we're not talking about a small conversation, Bruce. We're talking about 50,000 people sure. having a conversation today about this, this particular topic alone, saying that, it, A, it was patronizing – and secondly, like, be an ally how? How are you being an ally? You know, like, we are we are talking about, those are very strong words to use in a campaign that's just selling stuff with rainbows on it, really. You know, <laughs> if, we're, if we're honest with one another. <laughs> no, no, point made. And point I'm made. a lot of trouble. <laughs> no, but, but, but point point made and landed, and I mean, I guess ultimately, if we we judge a campaign that is not hitting the mark as may have been intended, perhaps just blind and tone deaf. 
Yes, I think so. Look, boys are no no stranger to boy being boycott. Uh, like it, it happens often. I think people pick on Woolworths. I honestly do, you know. And it just seems like today again was not, was definitely not their day. But it's it's a bigger conversation, and that bigger conversation is a very contentious one, and it's inter- an international one, and it's about clothing for children. Um, that is non-binary. Now, we're not talking about gender-neutral clothing because you don't know whether you're having a boy or a girl, but we're talking about clothing that is specifically non-binary, so not to dictate gender, um, that is being stocked across the world. And and Woolworths comes into that fray, and uh, it wasn't very well received by a lot of parents. A, A great deal of parents were not happy and they're never going in there again. A little bit yeah, uh, over the top over, for me, but they'll yeah. be over, they'll be over it in a week or two, like every other boycott. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you're so right. Just leave them without that chicken for a week, and it'll be all exactly, over. <laughs> exactly. Now, your hero. I don't know this one. Talk to me about your hero, please. What is a woman? <laughs> well, Bruce, let me ask you. What is a woman? Please don't take me down the slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll tell, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you who has that answer, um, and, and that is a, a gentleman called Matt Walsh. And Matt Walsh today, um, an hour and a half documentary a year ago, um, and it got no traction. And the question was, what is a woman like? And you, you see, even you pause to answer it. I'm going to tell you straight what a woman is. A woman is. Somebody who can bear children and somebody who is born with certain bits. Okay? That that's a woman. <laughs> and that's all I'm gonna say about it. Now there is very big difference between what is called um, your sex and what is called a gender. And and that's what what is a woman asks that question about. So he Mark Walsh does this documentary and he goes around the USA and around the world, in fact, and asks this question quite literally two women who can't ask, answer him. They, they, they don't want to answer him because they want to be politically correct or, you know, to uh, n- not to offend anybody. And he shows actually how it's, it's almost ridiculous to what lengths people will go not to answer this particular question. Now, One Little Woman is an hour and a half documentary that trended on Twitter all day. It has through Twitter alone, got 170 million views in the past seven days, okay, making it the biggest documentary ever released in history. To put it into uh, perspective, Game of Thrones got 19.3 million. This one's sitting on 170, okay. Game of Thrones, 19.3 million. And Joe Biden's State of the Union, 27 million. So it is... Absolutely enormous. Now, and, and that's great because it's like it's a really, it's an informative documentary. It does make you think and it t- touches all the right buttons where it makes you a bit angry and a little bit happy. And um, But what is interesting is that Twitter wouldn't let you repost this documentary. What? So, if, so if, I, if I saw your, you posting it, Bruce, I couldn't retweet the documentary. But I could, as Tanya Curry, go out and put the documentary on as a link for myself. And that was okay. But I wasn't allowed to retweet it. So that means 170 million 
people, or some people using more than one profile, put out that documentary. Now, that is a fascinating story. Most certainly is, Tanya Kuri. Tanya Kuri. Thank you, Tanya, very, very much indeed. And just in case you're wondering, it was the Woodlands branch of Exclusive Books in Pretoria. Thank you, Grattan Kirk. <laughs> uh, Grattan Kirk has just sent me a message to uh, alert me to the fact that um, the, the very clever little book light that has been given away with the uh, the book by Andre Dereta into the chaos at ESCOM from the Woodlands store in Pretoria. Well done, the Woodlands store in Pretoria, for a very clever and innovative marketing campaign.